Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. Look, I'd love the opportunity just to dive into the Word of God today. And I believe with all my heart that the Bible, the Word of God, the Scriptures are living and active today. That is the heart of God to engage with us where we're at so that we can experience, acknowledge and live empowered with Him and by Him. And today I wanted to just start a mini-series that we're going to be looking through over the next two weeks before we launch into October. October, we're going to be talking about taking ground as a church. It's going to be an opportunity to talk about some of the activities that I believe God is calling us into as a church to engage with, with missions, with local and international opportunities. And it's a month where we're going to be casting ahead what we're going to be really focused on next year. Uh, but just in the meantime, I, I had this burning sense to zero in on what it means to live in the now. And it was sort of brought to my mind because uh, one of my favourite things to do is to drive around Rockingham in my yellow Jeep. Rhiannon says gold, I say yellow. I love that thing. I, I, I had the upsetting experience of picking up somebody for youth one night and somebody reversed into the back of our old car, which was a Hyundai Tucson, which I I was not very disappointed to see written off. It was no fault of my own. I had stopped it around about plenty of time and somebody behind me failed to maybe look up from checking their mobile phone in time to see that they'd crashed right in the back. And the gracious thing that happened is I, I'd never confessed this to Rhiannon because it was not something that I imagined was going to happen. I always wanted a Jeep Wrangler. I don't know why. I'd always wanted a Jeep Wrangler. And, and all of a sudden we got this payout from this car that I did not love that all of a sudden was gone. And I got to go pick out a Jeep Wrangler. And the moment I saw this yellow Jeep for sale, I said, that's mine. Even though it's got a crumpled front bar bit where somebody's run into something and not repaired it, even though the the seatbelts get stuck and they freeze, even though when I bought it was just filled and saturated with sand because somebody was just using it to beach buggy everywhere they went, I knew I wanted it. Because it reminded me of the car I learnt to drive in. So my dad had a yellow Toyota Hilux and the gearbox had acres of room in turning that gear stick in. And this Jeep reminded me of the same thing. And so whenever I feel like I need to just take a moment to myself, I'll jump in that Jeep and I'll go buzzing around the streets of Rockingham, get lost here, explore there. And usually what I like to do is I usually like to spend that time in a bit of prayer. But a couple of weeks ago, I caught myself. I don't know if you've ever been driving and Let me just preface this by saying you're you're driving safely, but you realise that you don't remember how you got from here, from there. And you just assume that you are safe on the road because you don't have anybody following you. You don't have any crazed road ragers trying to hunt you down. You don't have the police behind you even. And that you just assume that I must have been safe and it must have been okay, but I don't actually know how I got here. And I find that those situations happen to me most often when I'm caught between two traps. I don't know if this is your reality, but I just want to lay it out there that it has been mine. Where I'm caught in two traps, where I'm either one, replaying things that have happened in the past, events and activities. 
And I'm spending all my time trying to process and make sense of things that have happened, not understanding that I can't reconcile the past, that it just is. But it's like I'm stuck there, living in it all over again until I come to myself and realise I've turned down the wrong street. Or on the other hand, I could be projecting ahead and imagining the future. But I don't just imagine what will happen. I imagine all the things that possibly could happen. And it's like a spider web shoots out from my brain and I see all these potential opportunities and conversations and discussions and conflict and everything in between. And I become trapped in a future that may never happen. I don't know if that ever happens to you, but I find myself having to shock myself out of that. Because when I live in moments like that, trapped between what was and what is yet to be, I miss out on what God is saying now. I live life trapped. And if I'm honest, I sometimes find that 70% of my internal world is spent on trying to reconcile what happened before. And 30% is spent on trying to imagine what will happen. And I've left no room for what the Holy Spirit might be saying right now. And I was captivated in my readings this week out of the book of Hebrews, where the writer of Hebrews challenges us, God's people, from an example that is prevalent throughout Scripture of people missing out on what God is saying now. The writer of Hebrews uses the example of the Israelites who had spent hundreds of years in slavery in Egypt and have now been led out of slavery and been led into their promised land, but they're unable to enter into their promises because they're stuck between what was and they're stuck between imagining what will yet be and they find that they miss out on what God is saying now. It says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 to 14, so the Holy Spirit says, Today, can you say that with me? Today. Today. One more time, today. Today. That word means present tense. That word means now. That word means that God, by His Spirit, is speaking today. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice. Notice, if you hear, if means that there's a choice, that we have a part to play in that. The Holy Spirit is speaking, but we get to hear as we tune in. There's an if involved. So as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on oath of my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. We get to engage with the living God, not just the God of what was, not just the God of what we imagine to be, but God by His Spirit wants to engage with us today. He's living, He's active, and He invites us to know Him in that. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. You know, in this portion of Scripture, the writer of Hebrews is reminding even us today that it is so easy to live in a way where we're trapped by our yesterdays or we're trapped by our tomorrows and missing out on what God is saying today. That He challenges 
Oh, the, the writer of Hebrews challenges us today not to harden our hearts. That word hardening of heart just means to be stubborn. It's a wonderful gift in certain people at certain times. I mean, the, the gift of stubbornness on my daughter Zoe means that she is going to be an amazing leader. But unfortunately for her mum and I, we have to endure the process of steering her stubbornness towards the right things instead of the things that she just does not want to do. But this idea of having a hardened heart, this stubborn heart, means that we sometimes approach God with our own understanding, saying, I know best and you don't. And that we replay what has been. We live in a memory of what has been or we live trapped in a thought of what could be instead of what God is saying now. You know, throughout the Scriptures, there's so many people that inspire me in living a life of pursuit in the God of today, the God of now, the God who speaks, the living God. But one of the great things about the Scriptures is that you get to see examples of people in what not to do. Not everybody who's recorded in the Scriptures is somebody that is meant to be followed perfectly in every scenario. See, they're real living people who sometimes miss the mark. They're real living people who sometimes didn't hear what God was saying to them in the now and got caught up in maybe their yesterdays, who got caught up in their tomorrows and missed out on the moments. But what you find throughout Scripture is that God in His goodness is the God of today who constantly pursues His people wherever they're at so that they can hear again what He's saying. One of the people who inspire me by their example of what not to do in certain situations is the prophet Elijah. We find his account captured in the book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament. And his story is amazing because when he jumps on the scene, we're captivated by the greatest of victories that has worked through him. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah has rallied against the false prophets who were ruling God's kingdom at the time. And he calls down the power of God in judgment against them, smiting them, destroying them, pushing them back, celebrating the fact that God is alive today and that these people who are worshipping false gods are worshipping something that is not even present and active. The great story about Elijah is that he is able to inspire others even to engage with the presence of God because he stands against the tide. But the crazy thing about his life is just as he celebrated the greatest of victories, he enters into his greatest battle and potential defeat. See, he was so caught up with what he had endured to get to the point of victory that as he gets into a position to hear what God is saying now, he's transformed from somebody who was willing to stand against the tide to somebody who was pushed back and defeated by everything that's around him. It says in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 to 18, and I'd like to just unpack the story of Elijah and how he got captivated by living in his yesterday and his tomorrow instead of what God was saying today. It says, Now Ahab, who was the king of Israel, who had been allowing the false worship in his, under his rule through his queen Jezebel, says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, 
May the gods deal with me ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. See, Elijah's tomorrow was being threatened and he started to imagine a future that I don't believe was in the heart of God. He'd been able to enjoy the presence, the power, the authority that comes from a life that is lived, surrendered to God. But through the threats of the enemy, through the threats of an imagined tomorrow, through the threats of anxiety, not being sure, he was captivated by a future that I don't ever believe was in the heart of God for him. May the gods deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. he just come from some of the greatest victories experiencing God's grace and through a threat on his tomorrow, he was running away. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. You know, as we journey through what it means to embrace what God has for us today, as we learn to live out of the reality that He's calling us to even begin to take ground now, to not live trapped by what was or to live captivated by what we imagine to be. I'm challenged by the story of Elijah to choose not to run, but instead to choose to rest. I'm challenged by the story of Elijah to choose not to run, but instead choose to rest. And I don't know about you when presented with this trap between trying to reconcile and make sense of and understand everything that has been and being trapped in the fact that sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't connect together. Sometimes it is what it is. And then living in this sense of I'm trying to imagine everything that could possibly happen. And I feel stuck between the two that often what happens in me and I don't know about you is that I begin to run from the things of God that begins to run away, that I begin to abandon my post, even in my heart, if not physically. And what I do is I run to things that I think will restore me and replenish me, but they don't. See, in Elijah's case, as he's running, he's hijacked by an angel, a messenger from God to rest, but to rest in the right way. See, as he's running away, he's trying to fix things all on his own accord. He's thinking, if I can get enough distance between me and the problems, then that's going to sort itself out. But it doesn't because our problems follow us wherever we are. But it's only those who choose to come to God and find rest in Him that we actually get replenished to take hold of the victory He's given us. And I don't know about you, but some of the ways that we've been taught to rest aren't very restful. I know yesterday I had two of my football teams in very important games, one in the grand final, one in the semi-final. 
And it'd be natural to think that as you sit down to watch your favourite team play on a television, as you're sitting on a couch, enjoying the atmosphere, that that would be a restful experience. But let me tell you, as somebody who had both my football teams lose in horrendous fashion, there was nothing restful about that moment. In fact, the anxiety just ratcheted it up whole other levels. I could not imagine losing so badly with two of my favourite teams on the same day. But see, sometimes the things that we think are there to rest and replenish and recharge us are not the things that will actually do it. You know, I'm convinced more than ever that binge watching our favourite shows on a streaming service actually causes us to run more than enter into rest. Now, I know, I know, I've, I've done it, I've done it, I've done it. That the temptation of having this little screen next to our bed at night that before we go to sleep, I'll just check what's going on on social media and then all of a sudden we've lost an hour as if we're driving a Jeep around Rockingham and we don't know where we're going. That we live trapped between memories and moments that haven't yet happened and we try to find ways to fill the gaps but none of it works. In Elijah's case, as he is running, he runs right into the wilderness, which is insane because that is wilderness. Why would you, why would you, why would you intentionally go into a place of lack? Why would you intentionally leave a place in a position of authority and power and run into a wilderness experience where you are scrounging just to get by? But that's what we do. When we live trapped between our yesterdays and our tomorrows, we run into the wilderness. We run into the place and the perspective where I don't have enough and I'm lost and I'm overwhelmed. But it's in moments like that, that if we engage with what God's saying now, He invites us into true rest. In Elijah's case, he was running so hard, he hadn't, packed even any food to eat. There was no McDonald's along the way. God had to send an angel to bake bread for him and give him a jar of water. For you and I, as we learn to rest in God, here's what it actually means. That we come to God with a complete dependence upon everything that He's provided for us. See, I don't have the peace for the moment, but Jesus does because He's the Prince of Peace. I don't have everything I need, but God, one of the names in Scripture is Jehovah Jireh, my provider, so I can come to Him, my provider. I don't have the wisdom to know what to do given the circumstance and situation, but instead of running from God, if I just run to Him and rest in Him, then the wisdom, wisdom means to know what to do and how to do it. You can get a heavenly download that breaks through your moment and leads you away from living trapped in what was and trapped in what will be and just engages with God, what's the next best step right now? See, we are challenged to live out of rest. And rest in the Kingdom of God does not mean disengaging with life. It does not mean switching off. It does not mean fleeing from it. What it means is coming to life with an absolute dependence that everything that I need is found in my living, breathing relationship with the living God. And if I hear the Holy Spirit today, if I hear Him, there is something available 
now where I have everything needed, not just to get through, but to thrive. So easy to live trapped between our yesterday and our tomorrow. Don't run, rest. Going on into verse 7 of this portion of Scripture, it says, The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him, touched Elijah and said, Get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by his, that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Oreb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. The next thought that comes to me about living free from the trap of what was and what will be is that we choose to be people who do not retreat, but instead re-surrender. Elijah's response was to run away, isolate himself, cut himself off from vital relationships. Earlier in that portion of Scripture, it says that he left his servant aside, that he was cutting himself off so that he would live disconnected and disengaged from those in his life that could have made a difference. And that he had retreated not just from key people, but retreated from the mandate that God had given him. And the key is that when we're stuck between what was and we're stuck in what will be, that often many of us, even myself included, retreat from the position that God has put in us now. Sometimes all we need to be is be willing to show up and allow God to work in and through us. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know the ins and outs. You just have to be present active, engaged. But it's so easy to live a life where we retreat within ourselves and proximity matters. One of the things that I'm constantly on my guard about is am I willing to reach out and connect even when I don't feel like it? Especially when I don't feel like it. Because there's a persistent lie of the enemy that says you can get through this alone, but you can't. Because that's not how we're mandated and designed. That Elijah, as he's retreating, is reminded by God to come into a place of re-surrender. That the only thing that could make a real difference was to step out of the cave into the presence of God. Now that word, the presence of God, literally means the face of God. I understand why they translate it presence because that is a very hard thing to get our head around. But the presence of God is something that we can engage with anytime we're willing to lay aside the persistent lies to run away and retreat. Where we simply engage with God where He's at right now for us. See, in moments like we did before where instead of rushing from one thing to the next, we allow the worship team to lead us one more time into worship. And for many, I hope we enter into the presence of God because we stop thinking about maybe the things that aren't working 
start getting captivated by the things that don't really matter. And we put ourselves instead in the position we say, look, God, I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for your presence. And for many of us, I'm challenged by the idea as we go into the marketplace, as we go into our businesses, there's a desperate need for the presence of God to be present where you are at. That God has placed you, that He's positioned you, that He desires to work in and through you. But if we hear His voice today, instead of retreat, re-surrender. Goes on to say in verse 11, The Lord said to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. I know there's a lot going on. I know there's a lot of noise. I know there's a lot of fire. There's a lot of earthquake. There's a lot of wind. There's a lot of stuff where we can get captivated in. There's a lot of stuff about the storms of yesterday. There's a lot of swirling thunder behind us where we're trying to understand what was. And there's so much about what is yet to be. But as we choose to engage with God, listen out for the gentle whisper. Listen out for the moments where He calms us down. Listen out for the pause. He says, stop. It's okay. I'm here with you. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he heard it. He heard it. After all that, he heard it. He pulled his cloak over his face. He went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Finally, I just submit to us as a people that desperately need to live in what God is doing now. Don't hide. Put yourself in a position to hear. Don't hide. Hear. With everything that's going on around us, with everything that has happened, with everything that all of us are trying to imagine that will be, it is so easy to be caught up and distracted and dislocated from what God is actually saying now. And He speaks. I'm convinced today that it is the heart of God to speak to every single individual. That you don't need to have a person with a microphone telling you exactly what God is saying to you. What you need is somebody to encourage you to engage with the living God directly. That He loves you, that He's called you, that He's set you apart, that you are worthwhile. That He has not ignored you, has not forgotten you. That in your past, while it's hard to reconcile and make sense of everything, the truth is that Jesus wants to redeem it. That He wants to redeem it and He wants to restore you in the process. That the truth is that God is working all things towards good for those who love Him. And that for those of us who live trapped by what was, the call is to hear the heartbeat of God to get into what He is doing now. He's causing us to live in a new season, in a fresh way. 
in a way that engages with Him as the living God because He has life available now. And for those of us who are caught up in the anxiety of everything that's happening, trying to think, if I do this, if I do that, if that plays through. See, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with planning on prep. For those of us who do meal prep, more power to you. Keep doing that. There's nothing wrong with planning. But I know that there's a difference when we live trapped, trying to imagine, trying to think through, trying to know the answers that sometimes we just don't know. All you need to do is to receive the strength that is available through Jesus Christ and enter into your day as it is today. You're called to live today. And what happens to Elijah is he receives the gentle whisper as he puts himself in a position instead of hiding in the back of the cave, as he steps out in the midst of all of it, the earthquakes, the fire, the wind, the rain, and he hears the gentle whisper. What he hears ultimately is God gives him a lead. God gives him a mandate. He actually says to Elijah, I want you to go and empower people. Elijah goes and empowers another king to rise up against the false king and Jezebel. God empowers through Elijah to go empower his successor, Elisha. And he's given a mandate. And he's given purpose again and he gets up and he goes. And so for many of us here, I wanna say to you, God is desperately calling you to get up and go. God is desperately calling you by His Spirit to not just be somebody who spectates the things of God, but is called to participate in the very things of God today, that He has called you and He wants to gift you and He wants to empower you. Don't hide, don't hide. It's okay if you stumble here or there, it's okay. You're not on show, Jesus is on show for you. Allow His grace to work in and through you. All you need to be is be willing to say, Lord God, have Your way in me. So Awaken City, I'm convinced that we are called to head into the new now. The new now. God is speaking to us now. It's not about trying to reconcile what has been. It's not trying to project ahead and clearly mark out what is going to happen. It's simply about engaging with God now. He said, every time we meet, work through us. Every time we gather, work through us. Every time our connect groups gather, work through us. Every time I show up in the marketplace, work through me. Every time. But to do that, we have to choose to be people who do not run. But we choose to rest in what God's given us. We have to be people who choose not to retreat from the front lines. You are desperately needed at the front lines. There's no replacing you. God's only created one of you. You're amazing. You're desperately needed at the front lines. Your gifts are valid. Your grace is desperately needed. Don't retreat, re-surrender. And in all of it, in all of it, don't hide. Put yourself in a position to hear. There is a Word today. There's one final Scripture, if you allow me to share it. So we bring this to a close. Comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. The team doesn't have it. I'm just going to read it. 
says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Do you know that word new in the original language means fresh, means unworn. I know some of us have felt worn out. Worn out. Pulled apart. There's newness available in Jesus. Unworn, unused. Some of us feel used up and spat out. God will never use you. He'll simply utilise you. He'll partner with you. You're not a simple tool in the hands of God. You're a son, you're a daughter. You're invited to living, breathing fellowship. That word new also means uncommon. There is nothing, there should be nothing common about you. You are amazing. You are phenomenal. You are a piece of God's artistry at work. Don't pull back from that. The other thing that this word new means, therefore if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come, means truly unprecedented. The things that God wants to do in and through us are truly unprecedented. But it has to be in Christ. Not in ourselves. Not in the stories we tell ourselves. Not in the things we're running from or the things we're trying to imaginally prepare for. It has to be in Christ now. The new has come. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.